You all right? Hi, everyone. Oh, gosh. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous. It's my first preach since we've become equippers, so I'm a bit like, I don't want to mess this up. Nathan, if I make any mistakes, just cut the podcast straight away. Be all right? <laughs> Especially because Barry's not here. I can say what I want. I, I hate Liverpool. <laughs> I know. It's a, bit con- it's a bit controversial. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Champions League. Lovely. Awesome. To be honest, not really a massive football guy. Like, I get... I'm not... Woo, let's go! Yes! Not really... Like, I get it's the thing to talk about. You know, like, men in the room, you know when your wife makes a new female friend and then she's got a husband and then they set up a play date between you and the husband? <laughs> and then you get there, you meet the guy. You all right? All right? What's the football? Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, blinding, blinding. Lovely. Amazing. It's so awkward. Everyone just, every man just reverts to football. Lovely. I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to lie. The first, like, I'm really looking forward to being a dad in September. It's going to be awesome. But, amen. One thing I'm not looking forward to, you know, like, the baby classes, and they get all the dads in the room, and everyone's like, do you watch football? And then you say the awkward thing, no. Okay. Like, where, where do we go from here? Like, and not like if you support football, good for you. God bless. I mean, and I get, and I get it. I mean, when your pastor is an ex-professional football player, it tends to come up from time to time. Just saying. <laughs> I think we all know. <laughs> it's it's fine. I mean, I, I get it. I I used to be a massive football fan, but I thought I can't be doing this anymore. Like, I used to actually support Arsenal. Any Arsenal fans in the room? Yeah, awesome. Prayer team, watch out for these people. Okay? These people go, woo, 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 woo. Yeah? Prayer team. By the end of this preach, these people are going to be the ones most heavily affected. I've, I, I've been there. I get it. But it's such, I love it. I, like, I love the fact that I don't watch football anymore. It's so freeing. Look at me. I'm so happy. It's amazing. Walking around, not a care in the world. It's wonderful. I don't care about football, to be honest. It's amazing. Arsenal played in the Europa League final on Wednesday. Don't care. They lost. Don't care. Actually, I, had to, I remember like, I text a couple of my friends and put, look, mate, just leave it by the wayside because I've been there. Okay? If I'm being honest, not that I'm bitter about it, but... If you want to understand why I stopped watching Arsenal, it's not a long story, but I'll start. It was the evening of uh, February the 27th, 2011. Now, let me take you on a short journey. It was the League Cup final, Arsenal versus Birmingham City. (sighs) Sorry, just give me a sec. I'm clearly over it. Right, so 27th February, days after I turned 21, it was amazing. I was on a high. It was amazing. I'm, I'm finally an adult. Woo! Awesome. Arsenal facing Birmingham City. They'd faced Birmingham City twice in the league and beat them. Arsenal hadn't won a trophy in years. This was going to be light work. Awesome. 28th minute, Birmingham scored. Okay, okay. Okay, it's not so bad. It's fine. Van Persie, you beautiful man. Equalise. Lovely. Then, 86th minute. You can tell like I've really let this go, by the way. (laughs) 86th minute, they bring on Obafemi Martins, my Nigerian brother, but he plays for Birmingham. Okay. 89th minute, defensive blunder, Obafemi Martins tapping. Now, I know, 
ah, you know what? If I had that reaction, ah, it would have been fine. That actually would have been fine. Instead of me to be like, oh, no. I, I wish I was exaggerating. I really wish. I really wish. My wife's looking at me like, yeah, this is no exaggeration. This is how he is all the time at home. I was on my knees. My housemate is staring at me. I'm on my knees on the floor like, what is going on? And I looked around and I thought, this Arsenal will not kill me. Not today. Football will not kill me. Never again. Honestly, from that day forward, I've never watched 90 minutes of football apart from the World Cup. Can't do it to myself anymore. So when the European League final came out and all my friends, Arsenal friends, were getting sucked back in, they were like, oh, yo, it's, come on, it's time to get... You know what? We can do really well. <laughs> I don't. Thanks. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, you could do, we could do really well. It's all England teams in, in all, the Euro, um, all the European finals. It's going to be fine. I was like, mate, come on. Come on, it's Arsenal. Thank you. You know, you've been burned before. So, <laughs> you know, and I was like, mate, leave it. I was texting my friends, are you sure you want to do this to yourself? One of my friends just had a baby. I was like, don't do this, do this to your son. Why do you, if you want to be a good father, leave it out. Text one of my friends, he was like, come on, we're going to do it. We're actually going to do it. I was like, no, no, no. What happened? <laughs> I didn't ask for the rundown, Dan. We could just say Arsenal lost. <laughs> Is that okay? Thank you. Was that, was that necessary, Dan? I'm trying to preach here, and you're shouting out statistics. Is this not? Thank you. Man said 4-1. Lovely. Okay. So I was texting my friend during. Let me read out the text. And I said, you know what, you need, to, you need to leave it. And I said, I texted him going, every time, bro, without fail, they will always let you down. He texts back going, typical Arsenal, they give you hope, only to let you down. I oh, know. What did I send to him, the good friend I am? Andy, can you put up Isaiah 222, please? <laughs> Stop trusting in mere humans <laughs> who have a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? This guy didn't text me back. Are you surprised? <laughs> I'm telling you. Jerome, if you're listening, I know you're at church right now, but if you listen to this podcast, text me back. Let it go. And he's back in the room. Lovely. <laughs> so every time I've, I had to let football go out of my life it's ridiculous because especially with Arsenal huh, Arsenal will always bring anguish Arsenal will always bring agonisation if that's even a word I just made it up Arsenal will always bring anger that's why the title of today's preach is Andy why Ayo hates football and should never be mentioned in church can I get Amen All the awkward dads in the room are like, yes, I don't want to have these awkward conversations. I hate football. No, re really, the title of my preach today is, don't burn your nose. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't burn your nose. Oh, <laughs> you love's a weird title. So what I actually wanted to preach today. Thank you, Nathan. What I actually wanted to preach today was about anger and just about how Anger affects everyone. Now, I'm not, I wouldn't say like necessarily I'm an angry person, but I kind of feel like 
everyone over has to deal with anger or knows someone that deals with anger. And I love this part of the preach because all the spouses in the room slightly start looking at each other like, this preach is for, for you. <laughs> Toby, make sure you keep your head forward. I'm not trying to get you into trouble. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was, I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to like, I used to get forced to go to church. And every time the pastor would talk about disobedient children, my mom would be like, yes. Pastor appreciates. <laughs> Without fail. But I always, I wanted to, the reason why I wanted to talk about anger was I was kind of like debating about what I should preach about. And I was going through some of my old preaches. And I kind of felt like I wanted to make sure that I preached about something that actually genuinely impacts our life and our human condition. And I know that, you know, some of you are way holier than I am. Good for you. It's amazing. Me, on the other hand, I, I struggle with a few things. And I'm not saying like I struggle with anger constantly, but it's a battle that sometimes I have to constantly go through in my mind to make sure that I don't let it overcome me. Is there anyone else like that? Awesome, we have some truthful people in the room. <laughs> so, when it comes to anger, generally when it comes to anger, people kind of tend to fall into one of two camps. Number one, the people that just vent it and let it out and just volatile. Again, don't look at anyone in particular, just keep your head forward. Those people that just, as soon as they get angry, it just comes out. Now, Hebrews have a word for anger, which is called app. Turn to your neighbor and say app. App is actually the word for nose. In Hebrew, the word for anger is exactly the same as the word for nose. And really, what it means is, don't let your nose get hot. If someone's angry, they say their nose is hot. Ooh, just imagine nostrils flaring and getting nice and vibrant and hot. So, <laughs> I know this might surprise you because I'm such a shy, retiring wallflower. <laughs> I'm always the one at the back, just quietly worshiping, taking in the presence of the Lord. But I used to be like this. Becky's like, used to? No, I used to be like this. <laughs> Whoa, that was a deep laugh. Come on. <laughs> I'm feeling shots at the front. So, I used to be quite volatile with my anger. I used to get, because what happened was I used to have this tremendous sense of justice. So if I got wronged and something, I felt like something was, ha. Six-year-old Ayo. What? I was shot. I remember, God forgive me, one time I had to get dragged from my class. I was so annoyed. I can't even remember what happened. I just remember being so angry. I was like this in the classroom. I'm not leaving! And my head teacher had to drag me out of the classroom. I was that angry. It just overflowed. It just spilled and it impacted everyone around me. It was horrendous. And it was a choice. It was definitely a choice. I made a choice in those moments, even as a youngster. I say youngster. My mom's probably listening to Ayodele, please be, be truthful. Was it, did it stop when you were six? It kind of <laughs> but I made a choice when I was younger to allow my anger to overflow. I knew it was a choice because that type of anger only came out at school. Because if I tried that at home, <laughs> what? My mom would drop kick me in the left nostril. It would be game over. It would be ridiculous. I, knew, I was making a choice to let my anger overcome me. What I was doing, 
And it was, my anger always came from a sense of, I'm being wronged. And my sense of injustice, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing. I'd actually say my sense of justice is actually a God-given thing. But the problem was, I was allowing my anger to misuse the gift that God had given me. I was allowing my anger to misrepresent what God had placed inside of me. And therefore, it was not a true representation of who Jesus was in my life. And we can see this in particularly with Moses when it comes to Numbers 20, verses 8 to 12. And so, as usual, the Israelites are complaining. Moses is about to get annoyed. Start scene. Take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour, us, pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they can, their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me in the holy sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. You see, he had a command, specific command from God. Speak to the rock, water will come out. Sometimes you get given a word from God directly and you hold on to it. But in your anger, it becomes misconstrued. What did Moses do? He took the very thing that God gave him to perform miracles back in Egypt and misused it. And as a result, he missed out on his destiny. I really, really pray that in your anger, you will not miss out on what God has called you to. It has such a massive impact. Make sure that anger doesn't control you to the extent that you miss out on what God has given you. Amen? And this is also seen again in Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Don't vent your anger. You're meant to be someone who brings peace. You're meant to be someone that brings calm in your wisdom. Which brings me on to anger number two. Now again, God forgive me, this is where I take, if I get angry, this is where I'll tend to reside. You have the people who love to vent it out, and then, you love, then you've got the people who love to just let it brew. And it just does. Now, if you'd asked me when I was younger, I'd probably be saying, I'm bringing calm in the end. The Lord says, blessed are the peacemakers. I'm making peace. It's just sitting inside and it brews and it gets worse and worse and it just churns. And then in your mind, you start going through that argument in your head. Yeah, okay, so if they say this, I'm going to say this. <laughs> if I say that, then they're going to say that. But I'm ready. And you start rehearsing this argument in your head over and over again. And you start, ooh, what? When I was younger, because I grew up in London, we used to say, that guy's brewing. That guy's vexed. Burning. In fact, the funny thing is we used to say, oh, that guy's burning. The, the Hebrew actually uses the same word. They have a word called chara. Tatiana say chara. Hopefully they didn't spit all over you. Chara. Which means to burn. 
That type of anger means to burn. And I'll, I'll admit, it's something that I still struggle with to this day. I remember someone a couple of weeks ago annoyed me at work. Whew. And you know, the person that loves to annoy you is always the person above you at work. So you can't say anything. You're just staring at them. I wish you would. <laughs> just try me. And this guy, God bless him. <laughs> I have to say that in case he ever comes to church. God bless him. <laughs> God bless him. Like, he, he got on my nerves, just a little bit. And it was at the end of the work day. So I couldn't really talk it out. I had to just swallow it. And took it inside. And I was like, fine. Everyone was like, ooh, ooh, are you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I went home. I talked talk to Becca about it. I was not fine. You know what, yeah? He's lucky it was at the end of the day, bro, because I actually wanted to say something. Yeah? I was ready. Honestly, because obviously if he would have said this, I was ready with that. Oh, my. I was so, I was so gassed. And so I had the whole night to just burn. I was feeling it. I was like, you know what? Let me, you know, don't let the sun go down in your anger. <laughs> okay. So I woke up before the sun rose and, <laughs> and I went to work. I went to work early. I went to work early. I arrived. I see his car in the car park. I was like, God, do not test me today. Okay. I start walking. I see his light is on in his office. So obviously, I don't want to look shook. I don't want to look scared. So obviously, I walk past. Not looking side by side. I went to my classroom. I started rehearsing and pacing. <laughs> I guarantee you God was laughing at me that day. I was pacing in my classroom. I can't believe he disrespected me like that in front of everyone as well. You know what? I'm going to see him. Yeah. I'm going to talk because I'm just burning and this fire needs to come out. So I was like, after whipping myself into a frenzy whilst I was at work, whilst I was in my classroom, I thought, you know what? I need to go to my office. But to get to my office, I need to go past his office. So I was like, okay, cool. Walked out, saw him at the end of the corridor. He was just coming out as well. In my head, it was like a Western. <laughs> Start walking towards each other. <laughs> you don't want to say hi too early, otherwise you have that awkward hi. <laughs> you still got 10 seconds before you go and meet him. <laughs> so I waited. And I was like, fire still in my chest. And then you get there. You all right? You all right? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't say anything. In the moment, I was just such an idiot about it. I had all this fire burning in my chest for me to see him and go, you what? Right? You what? Right? <laughs> <sighs> it comes to nothing. All of that burning is not useful to you in any way, shape, or form. All of that mental space, all of that energy was wasted. Something that I could be used to be putting forth to the kingdom, I was used to put into an argument that didn't even happen. So it brought distraction to my soul. Not even his, to my soul. It's not useful at all. If you put up Psalm 32 verse 3, it says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
I've been there. You just sit there groaning at home. Rather than using your heart and your spirit to lift up the name of Jesus, your spirit is groaning and wasting away your own bones. When it's of no benefit to anyone at all, we want to bring life to our kingdom, amen? We don't want to bring death and destruction. So, ultimately, I'm not here to say anger is a bad thing. Anger can be useful. My worry is that when it comes to anger, people tend to use it as a weapon. But anger is not a weapon, it's a responsibility. Anger is not a weapon, it's a responsibility. Anger is a call for you to love. Anger is a specific call for you to love. John 1, 9, James 1.19 in the Passion Translation says, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen but slow to speak and slow to become angry. My mom loved this verse as well. Ayodele, are you listening? Slow to speak. But then as I was going through this, I saw verse 20, which is awesome. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. How many times either you or you've seen someone use their anger and justify it, but it's because of Jesus. It's because of the church. I'm allowed to be this angry because Jesus would be angry about the same thing and this is how I'm going to reenact it in church. I'm sorry, are you Jesus? Can you relax? Relax. Anger, human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. Never a legitimate tool. Amen? God's purpose is always perpetuated through the construct of love, not anger. But the problem is people misconstrue it because they try and link the anger and love. So... What I really like is, I was, as I was doing reading around this, Lois Ferberg, who, who's an awesome writer, she really reads some of her books. Um, she basically says that God's love is always in conjunction with his anger. The word she uses is, it's intention. God's anger is always intention with his love. And what she specifically writes is this. The same passionate concern for humanity that causes God's anger is also the source of his tenacious, everlasting love, his chesed. Ooh, that's a sick word. Love that word. His chesed. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> God's passionate concern for us, which causes his anger, is also the source of his love. Because of his passionate concern for us, we see his love. Because of God's anger, we get Jesus. It's not enough just to be angry, but because of his anger, we get Jesus. Anger should always lead to love. Always, always, always. So, I thought, let me look at the one famous example of when Jesus got angry. So if we go to John 2, 13 to 17. Uh, says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle, and he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house, will consume me. Here, God's anger 
led to Jesus showing his love for his father. And what I really, what I really noticed about this was, if you look at verse 15 in particular, because I, when, I when I heard this story when I was a kid, I just assumed Jesus went in, started flipping tables automatically. Let's go! And everyone just ran. But then I noticed this in verse 15. It says, So he made a whip out of cords and drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of, scattered the, coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Didn't lay a hand on anyone. He even took time aside to prepare himself and find an appropriate tool to enact God's anger. He made a whip out of cords. He went, he took time aside to make a whip. I don't know how long it takes to make a whip, but I'm assuming some time. Imagine you got there and Jesus is like, give me a sec. He took time aside. He didn't, he was angry, but he didn't act in the moment of his anger. He took time aside to make sure he had an appropriate tool to enact God's love in that moment. And he didn't attack the people. He just drove out all the cattle. He scattered the coins, didn't touch the money changers. Overturned the tables, didn't touch them. He attacked the issue, not the people. Used an appropriate tool to attack the issue and not the people. And what I loved about this is because it reminded me of the preach that Mark Verigis did at Momentum. Remember this preach about the tares and the thorns? What an awesome preach. I can't wait for years to pass and I can steal it and pass it off as my own. What an awesome preach I was. What a great preach. I'll wait for about five years to pass and then if, I, if you hear me preach it, just clap and say, well done, Ayo. <laughs> I can't wait for that time to pass. But what Mark said was basically that um, he, it's about dealing with the issue that resides within the heart rather than attacking the person specifically. If you're going to get angry, look for where God's love in the situation is. God is burning for that person's heart, not the actual issue itself. Stop, look beyond the issue and look at the matter of the heart. In your anger, let God's love lead you to that person's heart and how you can change their heart. Amen? Then, we can see God's passion as a result in John 2, sorry, James 2, I can't remember which one, James 2, John 2, thanks. 17 to 21, we see God's passion. I love this at the end. It says, his, di his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. His Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken us 46 years to build this temple and you say you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. In his anger, he was showing God's love. I'm about to destroy this temple and raise it again in three days for you. This whole thing is not just about experiencing God's anger in that moment. Jesus wanted to reveal God's love for his people. You see, God's, God's love doesn't fully make sense without God's anger. So when people go... Oh, people will come to me and be like, oh, yeah, but you know that God of the Old Testament? Man, he's, a, he's an angry guy. Very vengeful. I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't it great? I love it. 
God is so angry because he's so passionate for me. And without that passion, I wouldn't have got Jesus. Through God's anger against the Israelites, we were able to get Jesus. And on the converse of that, when people want to just concentrate on the New Testament, I don't really listen. I don't really read the Old Testament. And they want to concentrate on Jesus and the New Testament. The gravity of what Jesus did on the cross doesn't make sense without the Old Testament. You cannot remove God's anger from his love. But God's anger shouldn't make you fearful. God's anger should lead you to his heart at all times. At all times. Because the Bible is meant to be a dynamic revelation of Jesus to his people over time. You want to get a complete understanding that this God was angry and as a result, he showed us the true gravity of his heart. Amen? So, Jesus gives us his body. Your anger, as a result, should always bring forth a revelation of God's love. Always. Your anger should never exist to just bring destruction to yourself or to those around you. It should lead you to love. It should lead you to pray those really scary prayers like, God, break my heart for the things that break yours. Ooh, I'm not going to lie. I'm sometimes scared to pray that prayer. I don't want to wake up one day and say, <laughs> God, break my heart for the things that break yours because I want to show your love to your people at all times. Your heart response is always what's going to lead people to Jesus. Not necessarily your, ang- your actions, but your heart response. And I've had to live through this many a time. My mom got sick recently. And it was really tough. My sister called me and she was crying. And I remember we took her, we took my, I had to run here, go to London. And we left the hospital where my sister went to me. But, but why would God let this happen? And I was angry. But my heart response in this time was to say, God is good, God does good, and he's able to make all things good. And because of that, when my mom was in the hospital bed, also lamenting, why would God let this happen? Because of my heart response to my sister, my sister was able to speak the same words over my mom. And when they wanted to keep my mom for up to a month, my mom was able to get released early from the hospital because of a heart response. Even when I look at my personal life with my family and my growing family, it was tough. We've been wanting a baby for such a long time, a really, really long time. And God bless you guys, I really love you, but whew, some of you guys made it tough. <laughs> You're next. Oh. When you're having yours. I can't pick up a mixed race child with someone without someone going, oh, practice. Relax. <laughs> it was tough. We wanted a baby for such a long time. And it would have been really easy. Oh, I'm not emotional. It would have been really easy to get angry in that moment. And at times I was. I was really, really angry. Because you start questioning things. You know, like, but God, you said. But, I mean, it's one thing to be a dad and have to field these questions of when you're having a baby. Imagine how hard it is for a woman. 
And so I was angry, not just for me, but for Becky. And so what was my heart in that moment? We could have sat there and burned in our anger continually for ages and ages. And was it always easy? No. Because women are always rational. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but it was about the heart response. Using my appropriate tool, which is my, my heart, and making sure that at all the times that we were upset, at all the times we were angry, I was reflecting God's love in all of it. One of my favorite verses says that those who look to the Lord, it's Psalm 34 verse 5, I think. Those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant. They're never covered with shame. And so in all those moments where I got angry or someone asked me an awkward question, I just kept it and I was like, I need to reflect God's glory. I need to reflect God's heart. All those conversations I had to have with Becky. You know what? What if God said no? What if God said you're never having kids? Does that mean I should burn with anger to God continuously for the rest of my life? I could. But it doesn't benefit Becky. It doesn't benefit me. It doesn't reflect Jesus. In my anger, I need to reflect God's love. So I had to say, you know what? Even if God says we're never having children, God is still God. God is good. God does good. He's able to make all the bad things work for his good. You know, it's easy to say that the first few months. As time passes, it's tough. But I didn't let that passion that I had for my Jesus become anger. I needed to make sure it always was love. All those Sundays where you're like, he's really excited. And it's like, why was I able to jump that hard? Because I let my passion, my anger, turn to love. The song Hindsight, when that came out, I was like, woo! God, do not let me cry on a Sunday. My God hasn't finished yet. If he did it before, then he'd do it again. Woo! Anyone notice I jumped really hard at that song? What? Loved it. Because I let my anger become God's love. And I let that minister to you. I never wanted me as a worship leader. I never wanted what I was going through to affect how you guys experience worship on a Sunday. God's anger always needs to become his love. Always, always needs to become a reflection of his love. So there's months where it's really, really hard. And then you go to the doctor and they say, yep, sorry, you're going to have to go and see a fertility doctor now. Okay. What do you have to do? My God hasn't finished yet. All right. Literally, was it New Year's Eve? Went to see the doctors on New Year's Eve. They were like, yeah, you're going to need to uh, see a fertility doctor. We got the referral for the letter came through. Cool. I was all right. I'm not going to let it massively affect me. I'm just going to reflect God's love. Came on Sunday. Barry did an anointing service. 
All right, cool. Let me just rub this in tight. <laughs> Make sure you know it needs to get really in. <laughs> and that night, I'm half asleep on the couch, I get shaken by my wife. Why are you putting pee sticks in my face? Get out of my face. What's this? <laughs> she says she wasn't. She says she wasn't waving it in my face. She says she was just shaking. She was like, she was waving it in my face. I was like, oh. I was like, what? Wow. Less than a week, we'd already got the referral to go and see a fertility doctor. Amen. Amen. God is so good. I didn't even know, like, um, I didn't even know that on, was it Christmas Day or on Christmas Eve, Becca had taken a pregnancy test and she, it said it was negative. But actually, she was pregnant, but the test said it was negative. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I, was like, I remember thinking, right, that anointing oil is really strong. <laughs> what? Wow. Wow, we. Goodness me. But that up and down roller coaster of whether my mom's in hospital or whether I'm trying for a baby. <laughs> I didn't want it to affect how I reflect Jesus because my anger should always lead to God's love. Can I get a keyboard player? <sighs> Your heart response in situations is what's always going to lead people to Christ. So, <laughs> your heart response is always what's going to lead people to Christ what you do in those really tough moments when you feel that burning of your anger when your nose is hot how you act in those moments is what's going to lead people to Jesus your anger is always going to be in tension with something so my challenge to you is is your anger in tension with God's love and reflecting him at all times or is your anger in tension with your situation? Is your anger tied to your situation? Is your anger tied to your circumstance? Or is your anger tied to the love of Jesus? Every single moment when you feel that burning. I'm pointing out my chest, but really the Hebrew say in your nose. When you feel that burning, where does it lead you? And where does it, where does it lead the people around you? Can we rise to our feet? With all the eyes closed. Just want to do a couple of prayers. Maybe you're someone here who wouldn't necessarily identify as being angry. But you're someone that experience, experiences a burning within your spirit. I want to tell you today that that burning is fine. But make sure you have the right outlet for it. Now, if there's people here who feel that burning desire, that burning passion, their heart breaking for the things that break God's heart, but you don't know how to reflect God's love, how to reflect God's passion, if you feel comfortable, you can just raise your hand now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Lord, you've seen these hands. And more importantly, you've seen their hearts. Lord, I want you to come now, even now, and speak into the hearts of these people. Lord, give them a positive outlet to reflect your love at all times. Lord, grant them the correct tools to reflect your love. Lord, grant them the patience to reflect your love. Lord, I pray, Lord, that their passion doesn't waver, but ultimately it leads to you at all times in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you're here and you've never experienced any of that passion at all. You've never experienced the passion of Jesus in your life. Or at one time you did. But your anger led you to turn away from Jesus. And so that fire for God in your heart is no longer there. If that's also you, you can raise your hand. All eyes closed. Thank you at the back. That's awesome. You got some people doing real work with Jesus. Thank you. Awesome. With all eyes closed, can we to pray this prayer together? I'll say a line, you say a line. Lord Jesus, thank you for your passion and concern and your love for us. Thank you that out of your burning desire that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. We welcome him into our hearts so that we may show your love to the world. Amen.